Comcast's investment in Hulu is doing great, partly because of all of the recent NBCU content it has. But can Peacock succeed while sharing its best shows with the 40-plus million Hulu subscribers? Listen on to find out more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was the voice of Colin Dixon at the top there, as always. Hey, Colin, how's everything? The voice of Colin Dixon, indeed. I'm doing well, Will, and uh, you must be getting really uh, pretty excited. Connected TV Advertising Brand Suitability Summit is coming together nicely, isn't it? Oh, totally. I'm, I'm totally pumped about this event. We have over 30 speakers, including lots of folks at the C-level, uh, at the EVP level, at the SVP level, just phenomenal people speaking, a great program. I'm really excited about it. And I'm really excited that you're going to be moderating a session on connected TV coming to the forefront and all of the changes that are happening in the ecosystem. And you have a great group of folks also. You have um, Tubi, A&E, Revolt and Australia TV. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about the panel too. Even though uh, <laughs> I don't know if I belong in that illustrious list of titles, but uh, we'll I guess I'll I'll do my best, right? Oh, modesty will get you nowhere, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. What was what was on your news radar this week? Well, talking of Tubi, uh, Fox reported results this week, and um, Tubi seems to be growing very nicely. Thank you very much. Um, and, and interestingly, Fox, so a while ago, Lachlan uh, Murdoch, who's um, CEO of Fox, he said that he wasn't going to report on MAUs for Tubi anymore because he didn't think it was a very good measure. And I kind of agree with him. There's, there's sort of no standard way of measuring MAUs anyway. So they stopped reporting on that. But what he did say um, this time, which I thought was really good, was he said that the the team is really focused on growing, uh, attracting the right type of users. And he says that they're really focused on viewing time. He says it's really why the total viewing time, which includes viewers coming onto the onto the platform, really me remains the best metric because it includes all viewers as well as a measurement of engagement. And I totally agree with that. He says that they actually boosted the hours viewed by 30% to 900 million hours in that quarter. And uh, I think the last time they talked about MAUs, they said they had about 20 million. Uh, They're doing really well, Will, if they've still got around about that number, because that gives them about 45 minutes a day. And I think that that's probably a high in the industry. That's that really is tremendous viewing for a NAVOD service. I agree. And I agree with the idea of uh, the, you know, the merit of using MAUs as the key metric not being that useful anymore, because ultimately these ad supported services it, it all it's really all about viewing hours and of course monetizing those viewing hours and whether the audience specifically the number of eyeballs grew or didn't grow uh, I mean it would certainly help the viewing hours if it grew but but ultimately that's it's time spent in monetization and, and we heard that loud and clear in Roku's earnings yesterday also the uh, user number actually, 
was a little soft, but no big deal because ARPU is now up to over 40 bucks. And I think that was up like 50% or something year over year. And uh, they're proving that they can monetize that audience really well, which is ultimately all that matters. You know, talk about viewing time, Will. Uh, running the numbers, uh, that that comes out to about three hours and 35 minutes a day is being consumed by active users on their device. So this is TV. It's being in the homes where they where the Roku's are being used. Uh, they're using it like TV. Yeah, absolutely. So, Colin, what was on my radar this week was this deal that was announced about TikTok coming to Amazon Fire TVs in the U.S. and Canada. And this originally caught my attention because, of course, TikTok is a phenomenon right now where you and I, I think we could concede, are a little bit old to be TikTok users. <laughs> but a little. Um, yeah, just a little maybe. Um, but, you know, we can also understand that it is incredibly popular among younger people. So it sort of caught my attention. Wow, TikTok coming on Amazon Fire TV. Um, and also wondering, like, gee, what did... And that was that's an exclusive deal. It doesn't say for how long it's exclusive, but it's exclusive for some period of time. Got me wondering, like, gee, what did Amazon pony up to get some exclusive window of TikTok on TV, on their TVs? But I think the reality is that there may be more uh, kind of smoke than fire on this partnership, on this deal, because TikTok users may not be very interested actually in watching on TVs because they prefer on their mobiles to be on their mobiles, uh, mobile devices. And, you know, not that I've run a big survey on this, but I do teach this graduate class at Boston University with 32 students that are probably in the age range of like 23 to 30, give or take. And I ask them, show of hands, how many want to watch TikTok on a smart TV? Not necessarily a Fire TV, but any smart TV. And not one single hand went up. <laughs> not one hand. Nobody in the class interested in watching TikTok on the big screen. And uh, I think, you know, what they were basically saying was, you know, we're just fine. Thank you very much using TikTok on our mobile devices. We don't need that on our TV. We have other things to watch on our TVs. And so it just got me wondering, was there real research behind this partnership and what are they expecting out of it? Yeah, I, it did exactly the same for me, Will. What really made me laugh about this was I saw in, some analyst was commenting that, yeah, now that TikTok was doing longer videos, three minutes, the, it was uh, you know, really good to have that on the TV. That's nonsense. <laughs> we try to compare it to ya to to YouTube, uh, and you, it's it's completely different. The two platforms are so different. Uh, YouTube, of course, has many many longer form videos now, uh, thousands of them, hundreds of thousands of them, and does actually work extremely well on the TV. And uh, as you say, uh, I looked at the data, and the data share says that most people using TikTok are. are, are well, your I would say that uh, your group of students are actually in the upper the upper age group for primary TikTok users, and they don't need it on TV. They don't want it on TV, and I doubt that very few people will activate the client on a Fire TV device. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Although I, I think your point about TikTok video lengths getting longer, um, 
you know, maybe helps them at some point. Maybe a little early for TikTok on TV, but directionally, it's probably not a bad direction for them, I guess. Sorry to be repetitive, but it's probably the right direction for them, don't you think? Yeah, I, th- I think it probably is, Will. But, you know, the real, so the real benefit of getting on CTVs is longer engagement times. And with the, with the videos being so short, I just, I, I just don't see that as a great platform for watching. It was developed for smartphones and smartphones are the best way to watch it. Maybe you do want to occasionally share a video with a group of people. But, you know, you can do that by casting. Why do you need, why do you need a, an app on, a, on, a, smart, on a, a connected TV device to do that? I don't know. I don't get it. Fair enough. Well, let's not spend any more time talking about that because we have our main story this week that is a complicated one that we want to talk about from different angles, which is last week Comcast reported their earnings. And obviously the topic of Peacock came up, as it does every quarter. And Comcast's management, NBC Universal's management, was relatively ambiguous about how Peacock is doing. And there have been a fair number of a fair amount of you know commentary, fair amount of commentary about this. And we want to add our voices to the commentary. Not that we'll necessarily break any new ground here, but um, one thing that maybe is a little new is that we had Viacom CBS earnings this week. So we also had insight about how Paramount Plus plus Showtime are doing. And it does seem to be the case that these two services, Peacock versus uh, Paramount Plus slash Showtime, are on different growth trajectories. And we're going to talk about that today. And you're going to get us started. I am, yeah. And I really looked at NBCU's Uh, and Comcast's approach to Peacock and Hulu. Of course, Hulu, they're a big investor in Hulu. They own one third. That goes back to 2019 when Disney actually bought Hulu and uh, NBC, NBCU was an investor, a third investor. And so they ended up with a third share in Hulu. And a lot of the content that's in Peacock is also available on Hulu. So that's where I'm really coming from here. Um, And as you say, Will, in their earnings... They were really vague, and it's very strange for them to be vague about how they're doing with registered users and monthly active users. Um, although, as we say, we're not sure that monthly active users is that viable a, a measure anyway. Last, in Q2, they were very specific. They said they had 50 million registered users and 20, uh, registered users and 20 million active users. And, and this time, Jeff Shell, who's NBCU CEO, he only gave a vague update. He says it had... It had added a few million more subs and more MAUs. That's really pretty vague. So we really don't know how well it's doing. They've never given us a firm number of how many Peacock paying subscribers there are. And my suspicion, certainly looking at the data, is that most people are watching it um, uh, at the free level. So Magid was... Uh, earlier this year they asked a bunch of people which free services they were using and Peacock is doing really well it's being used by a lot of people 15% of people said that they were using Peacock at that time Uh, which compares really strongly with Pluto, Roku and uh, Tubi they're all sort of you know roughly being used about the same 
but the real problem here is that there's been lots of reports this week about how much money they're losing per per user that they really aren't making an impression with their subscription tier which they really need to if it's going to be a profitable service and that set me thinking about some real good data real good is a platform i think they've got several million people in the us who are using it to help them manage all of their subscriptions online so they've got a pretty good visibility into what people are watching and what content is on each of the services and they did an analysis recently that showed that 21 percent of peacock's tv titles also appear on hulu so what that what that and what that means really is because of this deal that that they're in with disney that that 21 percent isn't any 21 percent of the tv titles it's a lot of the most recent episodes from nbcu that are actually appearing on Hulu. So this has got to be, the way I see it, Will, is this has got to be hurting Peacock's progress, particularly Peacock's progress with paying subscribers because there's a lot of people who are using Hulu. Hulu has 42, 43 million subscribers. All of these subscribers, of course, are in the US. If you're a Hulu subscriber and you want to watch NBCU content, you don't need to go to Peacock. You can watch it right there on Hulu. But so so anyway, I got to believe that this is negatively impacting Peacock. And the, the, the thing that really got me was in the earnings call, Mike Kavanagh, who's the chief financial officer, he was asked by uh, Craig Moffitt about the Hulu in investment and how that was going. And he said, we're happy to be along for the ride. I'm glad we didn't exit at the time three years or so ago. I like the deal we have. It'll be fine if we stay until the end because I expect the value to keep increasing. And the way the deal, I think, works is they can they can start pulling content back next year and they can exit, I think, 2024 or something like that. And it sounds to me like they're going to stay fully invested. They're going to continue to allow the Hulu content to uh, the NBCU content to be available in Hulu through 2024. And it is hurting Peacock's success, particularly with paying subscribers. And, you know, it may be a great investment, Will, but it's they're mortgaging the future on this investment in my mind. So anyway, that's that's what really struck me about what they said this week. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think you've raised a lot of really interesting points. And uh, at some level, I think what Mike Cavanaugh is saying is that the billions of dollars that they may ultimately realize on their investment in Hulu compensates for any drag that's being created on Peacock's growth as a result of the overlap in content, which you pointed out. And I think that's kind of what, I mean, it's hard to believe that they didn't recognize that they were going to be handicapping Peacock to some extent by keeping all that marquee content up on Hulu during the lifetime of this deal. It'd be amazing to think that they were surprised by that. Um, you know, the good news for Comcast is that the value, their, you know, the value of Hulu and therefore their 30% uh, stake 
is probably worth more than what they anticipated or modeled that it might be worth. And again, if you just look at the comparables, I mean, Netflix stock is now selling at an all-time high, like $680 per share. Netflix is now valued at over $300 billion. So I don't know exactly what Hulu's valuation would be relative to Netflix, but there's no question that a rising tide has lifted all ships. So Comcast is going to end up making a lot of money off of that deal. But the problem is, as you're pointing out, that, you know, is Comcast management there to run a core business and to develop a strategy for the long term, or are they primarily running an investment firm? And, you know, understanding what they're really trying to do and what their motivations are should I think be understood by investors and also by by you know by the market in general, and I mean we've talked about this many times, Colin, and I I feel almost a little bit embarrassed to say this yet again, <laughs> but video news readers know that three and a half years ago, back in May of 2018, when this whole Hulu, Disney, Comcast, Fox, Sky drama was playing out that I argued very emphatically that Comcast should be the one taking control of Hulu, not Disney, that it was in Comcast's interest for lots of different reasons to take control of Hulu and that what it would have cost them to buy Disney out, to buy Disney share out, in other words, to have the deal work in the reverse, would have been relatively small in the scheme of how big Comcast is would not have been a big deal for them. They could have gotten a lot of upside from it. Then when it came time for Peacock, they could have either launched Peacock as a standalone or uh, and bundled it with Hulu, or which is what, of course, Disney has done between Disney Plus and Hulu. Uh, or they could have potentially looked at not even launching Peacock in the first place and just having Hulu be their main streaming vehicle, which I think would have been also a very interesting strategy. But they went the other way on this deal and... I think the hard truth that needs to be recognized about Peacock is that, and for Comcast, is that it's too little, too late. It's that simple. The window for launching a new streaming service passed. The stakes for being successful, even modestly successful, and you know, we could look at something like an Apple TV Plus as maybe being a more the modest you know, category of success, takes a lot of money. It takes a huge investment to even get to a modest level of success now, given where the market is. And Comcast slash Peacock does not seem to be exhibiting that appetite. And so what do you do? I mean, what do you do when you're a late entrant in a market that has really well-funded competitors and you're not willing or ready to spend the kind of money that it takes to compete? It's a really hard problem. And I just you know, quite honestly, don't. And, and I think that, you know, your point about Comcast executives being vague or ambiguous about the growth numbers, what the growth numbers are for Peacock, I think is symbolic of the fact that, you know, they don't have a great growth story to tell. I mean, when there are great numbers to cite, company managements cite the numbers. It's pretty much that simple. If there's good news to share, it will be shared. If there isn't good news to be shared, then the old standby is be vague. So when they're vague about these numbers, it only means one thing. Things yep. are not going all that great for Peacock. And 
they're not going all that great because of the reasons that, you know, we're talking about here. And, and I would say just one last thing, Colin, because, you know, I think it's relevant about the Viacom CBS numbers for Paramount Plus and Showtime. Now, they only report a combined number, and they reported in Q3 that the combined number was up to 47 million subscribers. That was up 4.3 million in the quarter. And what you and I were talking about before we got started recording was what is the fundamental difference, or what are the fundamental differences, rather, between Viacom CBS, their strategy with Paramount Plus slash Showtime versus Peacock? And, you know, you and I were sort of noodling on that. And I think that there are a few really key differences, I think. It's hard to parse out what the weight of each one of them actually is, but Paramount Plus includes the feed, the CBS feed. The CBS feed includes the NFL games. That's a real value. Showtime standalone is $12, I'm sorry, is $11 per month. Showtime standalone is $11 per month. You can get a bundle ad-free on the VOD side, Showtime plus Paramount Plus for $15 a month. That means that all Viacom CBS is charging subscribers is an incremental $4 per month to get access to Paramount Plus, which includes, again, the live feed and the games. And it means you're ad-free also on the VOD side. NBC has not crossed that Rubicon. They do not include the live feed. And that was you know, a big subject of debate during the recent Olympics, that Peacock subscribers could not get a linear feed of the Olympics. And I know that this is the case because I periodically tried to see whether the PGA golf tournaments that I like to watch are streamed on Peacock, which they're not. That's one big issue. Um, the other issue, I think, is around the original content investment. And, um, you know, Craig and Michael at Moffat Nathanson, they're estimating that they think within a couple of years, Viacom CBS is going to be spending at least $5 billion a year on original content for streaming. $5 billion. Comcast has not indicated an appetite anywhere close to that level for Peacock. And, you know, Showtime also has edgier shows. They have shows like Billions and Homeland and Ray Donovan that have sophisticated plot lines. They have mature content, nudity, graphic violence, etc. And that stuff sells. The bottom line is that stuff sells. And Peacock, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think they're treading into that level of mature content at this point. Uh, it's more of a family-oriented service. So they're in a box. They're really in a box. And I don't know exactly how they emerge. Any ideas from your side? No, I, I really don't. Uh, so look, I have both services. Well, I have Paramount Plus and I have Peacock. And uh, the last time I was in Peacock was during the Olympics. And it was very brief, I can tell you. I They, they had an opportunity, I think, to capture a lot of eyeballs and a lot of interest from folks during the Olympics. And I think they muffed it. I think that was um, the, the experience was not very good. The expectations did not match what was actually provided. Um, the difference is so significant for me, Will. When I, uh, you know, when I want to watch, uh, get my, my Star Trek fix, which I do at least once a week, I'm, that's when I go into Paramount Plus. I can also go in there and watch. Uh, there's a you know several other shows I like. It's very easy to watch the latest episodes of NCIS, 
um, or bull, and uh, you know they 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 there's plenty of reason I find to go in there. I just I can't think of a single show that I want to go into Peacock to watch. I just can't, and so I don't. And I think that's the problem. They, as I said, the Maggot data does show that people are using it on the free level. Some, uh, quite a lot of people are using it on the free level. Um, but what, of course, the Maggot numbers don't show, and what Comcast isn't saying is what Tubi has said, which is how much people are watching, or at least they've given us an indication of how much people are watching. So we actually don't know how long they spend watching inside of the Peacock app. And, you know, because they're not saying, you've got to assume that those viewing numbers are not great, which is a shame because having used it, it is a very good viewing experience. So the ad load is very modest. It's very, you know, it's, it's very easy to watch stuff in there um, at, at the ad-supported tier and uh, have fun with it and really enjoy the shows. Uh, but I just can't think of why I would want to go in there. So I think that's a huge problem for them. I think that this was, the, this was the real stumbling block for me with this statement by Mike Kavanagh and they're so, uh, so pleased with Hulu when they should be so mad with Hulu because it's really disabling the future, which is Peacock. So, you know, that, I don't know how they how they fix this in the short term. Um, they need to start spending a lot more money on putting their best content in Peacock if they want people to start to subscribe. That's exactly what CBS is doing, uh, Viacom CBS is doing with Paramount Plus. And Paramount Plus is also... You know they have a they had have, have a ton of great movies in there and, and and all their best TV shows are in there. So there's plenty of reason to go into Paramount Plus. They have to do the same if they really want Peacock to be a success. Yeah, I think that's right, Colin. I mean, you know, the reality. I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if by the time Comcast eventually exits the Hulu deal, that they make at least ten billion dollars or more on their investment. They could make a multiple of $10 billion. I, I don't know what, you know, if Netflix is worth $300 billion right now, I don't know what that means uh, Hulu is worth. I don't know exactly what the subcounts are. Maybe it's worth a third of that. Maybe it's worth a quarter of that. I mean, even at a quarter of that, that means Hulu is worth $50 billion, and a third of $50 billion is north of $15 billion that Comcast is sitting on right now. So to your point, there's going to be a massive payday at some point, if, if and when they choose to exit Hulu. Why not spend that money, or at least, you know, I mean, obviously money is fungible. It's not literally money. That wouldn't literally be the money that they're spending. But, you know, Comcast has plenty of money. They're, they're not at a loss for, um, you know, for cash if they wanted to invest. It's more a question of willpower. And I think what's happened in the streaming market is that it has very quickly become a go big or go home market. Yeah. If you're not yeah. going to go big, like, you know, Apple TV plus Amazon, Netflix, Viacom, CBS, like we're talking about YouTube slash Google with what they're doing. And they don't even have the content investment costs, but they have a lot of other things, you know, going on. If you're not willing to go big, then you might as well just go home because you're yeah. not going to compete. It's just not going to happen. And I think that's sort of the Rubicon right now for Comcast is do they want to step up? to the plate and do what needs to be done for Peacock? Or 
Do they just want to, you know, sort of throw in the towel and say, it's just not going to happen. We came too late and we weren't willing to commit. And you can't, you know, you can't, there are no miracles in this world. It just doesn't no. work that way. No, no, I, I do. I, you know, I'm I do think that there's a possibility that they can turn things around if they commit to creating really great content. Their big differentiator is this free tier. Nobody else is really doing that. Hulu's backed away from that. Paramount Plus doesn't do that. And I think that's a great in with customers. The, the trick is if they can bring in content, great content that you can only get there that they can leverage to get people into using the free service and then get people to um, to subscribe to the premium tier. So that's that I think is a key differentiator for them in, into the market. I'd love to see them lean into that. I think that will be a great opportunity for them and a real differentiator. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that they said that they were really keen on doing when they first uh, when they did first launch. So I think that is a possibility for them. And I, I just that- want to. Yeah, yeah sorry. go ahead. I, I was just going to, if I could just comment on that quickly. I, I think that's a fair point. And, and in that way, they would be positioning themselves primarily as a competitor against Tubi, back to what you said earlier, the Roku channel, you know, the other fast services, the AVODs, et cetera. I, I think they could play at that market, but rather than playing at the SVOD level against, you know, the Amazons, the Netflix, the Disney Pluses, et cetera, um, but even playing, you know, at the AVOD level successfully requires a big commitment. It requires it a big commitment in originals. You can't do anything. You just can't do anything half-hearted in that market. I think that's the main, that's my main yeah. takeaway. I think that's what Comcast needs to decide on. Sorry, yeah. you were going to say I, one last thing. I, I was going to say one last thing before we wrap up here, and that was to sort of loop back on your um, harping on the fact that you think that Comcast should have bought Hulu. I'm pretty sure we talked about that on the podcast at the time, Will. And I think I probably pushed back uh, it on you for that. And the reason is simple. I don't think that Comcast at that time had the vision to do what needed to be done to make Hulu successful. And I think the way they have been so late to market with Peacock ably demonstrates that they didn't have that vision. So I think if they had ended up in charge of Hulu, it wouldn't be it would be a shadow of itself today i don't think it would be uh, you know 40 million 43 million users i don't think it'd be anything like that uh, and of course the the reason we know the reason why at that time comcast was just still 100% focused on xfinity tv and it was all um, all backs to that particular, uh, you know, uh, keeping pay TV afloat and making it work. So I don't think it would have been a good home at all for Hulu. Uh, but, but anyway, that's that's histrionics. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's probably a topic for another day. Um, it sure is. I mean, I guess my attitude would be if they had the willingness and the desire to take on Hulu that a commitment to seeing it succeed would have followed, but it certainly wouldn't be the first time that a company acquired another company and then didn't really have the stomach or the willpower to yeah, yeah. make it successful. So I, I totally hear you on that point. And, and of course that's, you know, backseat driving. We have, or Monday morning court, whatever the, you know, the right, the applicable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hindsight. Is, yeah. Hindsight's <laughs> 2020. Hey, I'm just full of these, aren't I? Um, so yeah, that's, that's who knows, who knows on that one, but here's today's reality as we're talking about. And the question is, what do you do 
as Comcast when you're holding this hand? What do you do? And it's a tough one. It's a it's a it tough is. one. That's it the pen- oh, oh. that's the penalty for coming late. My my last words on this will is that <laughs> Hulu has people watching NBC content with ads and paying for the privilege, and Peacock only has them watching it with ads. Uh well, wait a second now. Peacock has a four ninety nine tier where people are paying and getting ads also, Colin. So where are you going on that one? I'm not sure. They have the, the three vast major- The vast majority of Peacock users will are watching on the free tier. Well, I'll defer to you on that one because I've yet to actually see any data from Peacock or Comcast. No, they they, they the certainly haven't. Is. They certainly haven't. But I've been, uh, you know, there's been quite a few surveys and quite a, quite okay. a bit of data out of, I've, I've asked Real Good, for example, and their users are primarily, it's primarily a free service. They're primarily watching on the free tier. Okay, fair enough. I think we've wrung this one dry, Colin, as I said. I think we have. (laughs) (laughs) To be continued, great talking as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of Endscreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.